Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, called The Apostasy and the Man of Lawlessness. Now, Paul says that's the subject and the reason for the writing is that you may not be quickly shaken, verse 2, from your composure or be disturbed. The Greek word here is to be frightened or alarmed either by three things, a spirit or a message or a letter as if from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. NIV Not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, report, or letter supposed to have come from us, saying that the day of the Lord has already come. Now, something happened, and the word got back to Paul. And let's not forget that this is a fairly young church in terms of their time in the Lord and their understanding of Scripture. And there are some of you that have been walking with the Lord for years and years, And these concepts are pretty familiar to you. And others of you, this is all brand new to you. But wherever you are on the spectrum, here's what happens with day of the Lord, second coming type of teaching, is that sometimes people are just simply misinformed. Or somebody says something that rocks their world. And something happened in the Thessalonian congregation. It could have been a prophecy, maybe by a church member or a visitor. And maybe in a meeting they said something like this. Uh, I believe the Lord is saying we have entered into the day of the Lord. Or maybe some sort of report came or some forgery. Maybe this early Bible students that already there was a concern about forged letters in the name of apostles. We've heard some of this uh, as you study the letters of the New Testament and study manuscript evidence for the Bible We know there were forgeries and perhaps even this early people were trying to write things in Paul's name or in Peter's name and saying this is from the Lord and this is what's happening. And they were deceiving and unsettling people. This is what false doctrine does is it unsettles and even shipwrecks people's faith. Sometimes when someone comes out and sets a date and says this is what's going to happen and this is when it's going to happen and people get duped, they become They become brokenhearted, and there's many people who go out the back door of many movements, disenfranchised, losing hope, because they think, well, if these guys don't know what they're talking about, who can I trust? Who should I listen to? Paul says, I don't want you to be shaken or unsettled or disturbed in any way. And he's going to give us these markers, but let me just give you a verse. This is Ephesians 4.14. It tells us that pastors and teachers should be equipping the body And in Ephesians 4.14, it says this, As a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness in deceitful scheming. One of the reasons that you need to know your Bible is so that you don't get duped. If you hear a false teacher pontificating waxing eloquent about some concept, you should compare it to the Bible so that you don't get duped, so that you're not misled, so that you're not misinformed about 
what the Bible has to say about these subjects. I don't want you to be shaken in mind, New King James, or troubled. That's not where Paul wants us. He doesn't want a bunch of Christians walking around in jumpiness or in worry. We're to have peace. In Mark 13, 7, Jesus, talking about the last days, says, do not be frightened. Don't be shaken in mind. Don't be constantly fretting about what you have heard. Someone could come and say they've gotten an inspired utterance from the Lord or they put it together. And we had a guy, he was part of a family radio uh, ministry. I think he oversaw it. He picked a date. What was it? At least some five years ago. And he picked October or September of this year. The Lord's going to return. <clears throat> Wrong again. At what point are we going to learn to stop doing this stuff? Right? To, to say uh, emphatically and strongly what we do know and to be careful about what we don't know. And I'll tell you this, this passage is a tough passage. So this is where you're going to need your thinking caps a little bit and we're going to take a little bit of Scripture with Scripture and look at the day of the Lord. What are the clear markers that will precede the day of the Lord or the second coming of Jesus? Here it is, verse 3. Let no one, I don't care who it is, in any way deceive you. Don't be duped. For it will not come, the day of the Lord is the context, unless what comes first? The apostasy, New American Standard. You may have falling away. You may have rebellion. The apostasy comes first. The day of the Lord is not coming until the apostasy comes first. Greek word apostasia, classical meaning of the word in Italian is a pasta dish with tube-shaped pasta and red sauce. And a side of meatballs, a spicy meatball. No, just kidding. That is not what it means. <laughs> but I thought you might need a little bit of attempt at humor at this point. Now, what is this apostasy? Let me just say to you that for our friends on the pre-tribulation rapture side, and this even goes back to Darby and some of the ones who came up with a school of dispensationalism. This idea of an apostasy, they saw the word as perhaps a departure in rapture. And uh, this is kind of like, it, you know, there, there's a system of belief. And so perhaps that's how we should take this word. Let me just say to you that this word does not mean a departure to rapture. In classical Greek, this meant a military or political rebellion. The word means a defection. Here's an example. Let's say that you were part of a military uh, team. You had signed up for the army or something, and you defected from a previously uh, signed commitment, if you will, or voice commitment. That's what the idea is. It's to defect. And if you look at commentators on this particular word and you dig it out in what's called the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. It was completed about 250 BC, so 200, 250 years before Christ. You can look at some verses where apostasia is used in the Old Testament. And scholars would say when you take those verses and look at them, they always have to do with the rebellion towards God and God's law. So the apostasia, and it's the, it's the uh, definite article, so it's something, some event that's going to happen, the apostasia is a defection 
from commitment to God. And I would walk that out by saying to God and his laws. Now, perhaps we've gotten a little bit of a taste of this in the last couple of months as there's been chaos in our culture. And it even got so bad that they were burning Bibles in Portland or somewhere. And uh, we, some of us looked at that and we saw that and we saw some of the chaos on the streets and it got scary and it's still scary in some places. A rebellion, a defection. Some people say that the word, part of what you can take from the word is that it's a, it's a defection from law or the law of God. And so it's anarchy is the idea. It's a total rebellion. And in the biblical setting here, it has to do with the falling away from God. It is the rebellion. It is the apostasia. If you're interested, the uh, Septuagint has these ideas in Joshua 22.22, 22, 2 Chronicles 29.19, and you could read all of 2 Chronicles 33 to get the idea, but especially... Um, I'm not sure I have the verse here, but anyway, 2 Chronicles 33, a defection from God and his law. Here's a good way to think about it. You read through the Old Testament, you see a king, he rises to the throne and it says, this king did evil in the sight of the Lord. What does that mean? Well, he encouraged the Asherah and the false places of worship up on the hilltops and he did not honor the law of God. That was an evil king. A good king would honor God's law. He would smash down the idols in the land. A rebellion against God is ultimately against God and his law is directly connected to him. So let me just make it contemporary for a second. Let's take our country. Let's look at God's law and how it's been honored in the last 50, 60 years in America. Let's talk about the redefinition of marriage. The redefinition of uh, gender. The killing of 60 million babies under the banner of it's my choice. See, it's happened here, folks. And a lot of people who have looked at the recent history have tracked it back to the booting out of God in the schools and prayer being eliminated. And I'll let you wrestle with what you think the origins of some of these things are. But ultimately now we have in many ways no less than spit in God's face. But yet we still want his blessings. We can finish speeches with God bless America while we are killing innocent children in the womb. How, how can that be? See, someone can make a claim with their lips but your actions are going to define you. And this is a rebellion against God. And it's happened over and over and over again. Not just in the United States. It's happened in Israel. It's happened when they had the direct presence of God. They had the law of God written on tablets of stone. And they still broke the law. Why Moses is up getting the law. They're down the mountain breaking the law. What is it with us? But we are prone to wander and often prone to rebellion. The only other place in the New Testament where the word apostasia is used is in Acts 21.21. Listen to it. They have been told about you, Paul's being addressed, that you are teaching all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake apostasia Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children, nor walk according to the customs. 
The only other place apostasy is used in the New Testament is in Acts 21.21 for a alleged forsaking of the law of God or the law of Moses. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. I'm Rob Newton, Program Director for Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance. I've been working with this ministry for nearly three years. I have to tell you, I'm so blessed the Lord has connected me with Pastor Michael and the entire staff at Living Truth Christian Fellowship. I've worked with quite a few ministries, and I'm going to be honest with you, I could be skeptical. Well, if I'm really honest, judgmental right off the bat because of my past experiences working with other ministries. I'd think, okay, they seem kind and loving. Let's see how long this lasts. Anyway, the point I'm making is that Pastor Michael and the entire staff, and I mean the entire staff, are wonderful people. Did you know before we end a staff meeting with prayer, we end it with making a list of people who need or are asking for prayer and pray for them too. I can go on and on about the staff, but time's ticking away. If you've been listening for some time, I want to let you know from my experience, Pastor Michael is a good man. He cares about the mission the Lord has placed before him. He loves his church, and he loves you. Why else would he speak the truth even when you don't want to hear it? This podcast exists because of him and the Lord's gift to him. We would love to expand this ministry to be on more radio stations, and we need your help to do it. Before we can add a radio station, we need our largest radio station airtime bill to be completely funded by listeners like you. That price per year is $44,500 a year. Now let's get transparent. Walk in Truth has been on the air since 2012, thanks to our church. Last year, 16 listeners outside our church collectively gave nearly $1,500. We were so grateful and excited to see growth. I mean, really excited. This year, in all its uncertainty, has surprised us and given us so much hope. So far, 191 listeners have collectively given nearly $11,000. It's amazing, right? We would love your help and support to raise the remaining $33,500. Monthly partnership is what we need. Can you commit to giving at least $1 a month? We have a lot of podcast listeners, and if even half commit between $1 and $5, we will make our goal. If everyone thinks, well, others will give that $1 a month, I don't need to then most won't give. Your monthly partnership is needed. If you're a new listener, please only help by praying for our ministry and its mission to equip people with God's truth. But if you've listened for some time and you're starting to see walking truth as I do, please commit to giving $1 to $5 a month. Or if you're already a monthly partner, upping your gift by $5. Please visit walkintruth.com today to give your tax-deductible donation. That's walkintruth.com. And thank you. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. But we are prone to wander and often prone to rebellion. The only other place in the New Testament where the word apostasia is used is in Acts 21.21. Listen to it. They have been told about you, Paul's being addressed, that you are teaching all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake apostasia Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children, nor walk according to the customs. The only other place apostasia is used in the New Testament is in Acts 21.21 for a alleged forsaking of the law of God or the law of Moses. Now there's a cognate connection, a cognate verb That's very similar. That's the idea of the word cognate to this idea of apostasia. And I'm going to give you three verses, and they're going to be familiar to you. 
Luke 8.13, in the parable of the sower or soils, Jesus says, And those on the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these having no firm root, they believe for a while, and in time of temptation, they fall away. There's the similar word. 1 Timothy 4.1, once again, the Spirit explicitly says, 1 Timothy 4.1, that in latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. And then Hebrews 3.12 says, Take care, brethren, lest there should be any one of you with an evil, unbelieving heart in falling away from the living God. And then verse 13 says, But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is called still today, lest any one of you become hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. The apostasy is a falling away. It is a defection from God and His law. And it is a sad reality, but this has been the story of humanity. This is when Satan entered into the garden and questioned God's Word. Did God really say that you'll die if you eat the fruit? No, 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 no. He knows that in the day you eat thereof, you will be as gods. You'll become a god. You'll get a cave and your own planet. It'll be wonderful. Oh, really? And the fruit looked good to the eyes. It was able to make one wise. And she took a bite and gave it to her husband. What was he doing? We don't know. But he appeared to be at least in the vicinity there, probably watching football. We don't know for sure. And he took a bite and plunged humanity into really destruction. And you know who was behind that? It was one who was identified as a serpent who entered into the paradise and deceived our first parents. Second Corinthians 11, Paul picks up this idea of deception. He says, I don't want you to be deceived from your faith as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. Now I bring this up because what we're leading to is part B of this idea of what will precede the day of the Lord. It will be a defection, an apostasia, and notice it's also in verse 3, the man of lawlessness or the man of sin will be revealed. He's called the son of perdition or the son of destruction. You are not going to have the day of the Lord until you have these two things. You're going to have an apostasy and a man of sin. Some, some people have called this apostasy and antichrist to use two A's. I'll let you wrestle with whether you think this is the antichrist here. But it's the apostasy and the man of sin, some versions say, is revealed. Who is this guy? Well, here's what we know about him. He opposes for and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. Now, this is why uh, those who study eschatology have argued that you're not going to have the events of the last days until you have a rebuilt temple in Jerusalem. Because how could this man of lawlessness take a seat in the temple of God if there is no temple of God? Now, some commentators who I would respect 
have argued that this is not a literal temple. This is this man trying to take leadership in the church or trying to deflect attention to him for worship. For example, in 1 Corinthians 3.16 and 6.19, it talks about the church or the individual believer being the temple of what? Of God or the Holy Spirit. So is it possible that we should understand this man of lawlessness when he takes his seat in the temple of God as trying to take over worship of the living God? And that it's not a literal shrine or a physical building that is being talked about. I'll tell you this, I've wrestled with this and looked at a lot of different commentators and looked at the flow of the text. And I think an honest look at the text argues for a physical temple. For example, how do you think the first century receivers of this letter would have understood this? They probably would have understood this as the temple in Jerusalem. They probably would have understood this as the Greek word is naos uh, for temple, N-A-O-S. And it speaks of the uh, innermost part of the temple structure or the holy place or the holy of holies. Just a side note, in 40 AD, Caligula, attempted to move a statue, I think it was either of himself or of Zeus, I think it might have been of Zeus, into the Holy of Holies in 40 AD. That's 10 years after the death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. And it was stopped at the last second. But the story goes that they were on their way to try to get into the innermost place where there's only one single piece of furniture there, It's called the Ark of the Covenant. And somehow it got stopped. But this idea of a man going into this innermost holy of holies is one possible concept. You might might think that maybe it means that he's going to try to take a place of preeminence in the church or in the hearts of God's people. I'll let you once again wrestle with that. But I will say to you, because... The apostasy is connected with the man of lawlessness that he may, the man of lawlessness, may be the catalyst for this rebellion. You've been listening to The Apostasy and the Man of Lawlessness, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. This is Pastor Michael's teaching in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, You can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, can you do us a favor and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter? We'd love to connect with you. And if you have any questions about the program, you can DM us there too. Follow us at Walk in Truth Show. That's Walk in Truth Show. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, I mentioned a few times on this message, uh, the apostasy and the man of sin or lawlessness, that People have tried to pin the tail on the Antichrist, stole that from somebody else, who I'm sure stole it from somebody else. But the idea is to try to figure out who is this man of sin? You know, was it Nero, for example, or Adolf Hitler or Mussolini? You know, people have tried and of course people have been wrong. And the question becomes, well, how would we know? Well, I don't know that our job necessarily is to try to figure it out ahead of time, but we'll know by the actions he takes from Second Thessalonians 2 and piecing together some other scriptures that we've been looking at, and that's how we'll, we will know what's going on. And we'll know that the day of the Lord 
is fast approaching. And that's what Jesus said. He said, we wouldn't know the specific day or hour, but we would know the season. And two signs are giving, given to us right here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Well, this is Pastor Michael Lance, and this is Walk in Truth, and I pastor a church called Living Truth in the city of Corona. It's a wonderful church, and we have a great team. We have a a men's breakfast that happens, and uh, it happens the Saturday, the first Saturday of each month, and we would love for you to join us on that first Saturday. We also have different Bible studies that go on during the week. For example, we have a Thursday morning men's breakfast that happens uh, at a donut shop called Paradise Donuts. What a great name. And we also have a Tuesday morning uh, men's study at Corky's on Bedford Canyon in Corona. These are just a few of the many men's studies. We have women's studies as well. We have a lot going on. And you can find out all the information you'd like when you download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your app store. Look for the red logo with the pillars or... Go to walkintruth.com and click on that church tab. Hey, I want to say thank you to all of you who pray for us, partner with us financially. You're helping make this happen, and we appreciate it. Hey, tell a friend about what you're hearing on Walk in Truth, and we'll catch you right here tomorrow for more in 2 Thessalonians. God bless you. And one more reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. Your $5 donation helps us broadcast on radio, provide the podcast, and do free apologetic events. It's all part of our mission to equip you with the truth in the Bible and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. So if you can give, please give your $5 donation at walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, called The Apostasy and the Man of Lawlessness. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. It's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.